Are you offering your clients the experience they really want? Or are you offering them what you think they want? Join hosts Laura Gregg and David Partain from FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds as they talk with a variety of industry experts and advisors, just like you, about their latest industry research to help you develop the flexible mindset you need to rise above the crowd. Welcome to the Flexible Advisor Podcast, where my co-host David Partain and I talk with thought leaders throughout the advisory industry. As you know, if you've listened before, we seek to invite guests that will provide unique insights and actionable ideas for advisors that want to fine-tune or grow their business while deepening client relationships. You know, David, I remember it seems like forever ago and also just like yesterday, I remember leaving the office on March 20th and looking around and considering what I would need in the following three to four weeks that I'd likely be out of the office. I grabbed an umbrella and a few things, and then there were other items that had I known I'd be gone for so many months, I would have taken with me. But like many of us, there were things that I thought I'd just put on hold temporarily until things got back to normal. But by now, we all know that normal, as we used to know it, remains uncertain at best. There have been so many advisors that unfortunately put their prospecting and their marketing plans on hold with this pandemic. And, you know, it's not surprising. They were consumed with engaging their existing clients, navigating new technology and communication tools. And you know, frankly, just catching their breath. It wasn't their intent to put things on hold for so many months. Many were just waiting until things got back to normal. When they got back to their offices and the golf courses and restaurants reopened so that they could host in-person meetings again. But what they found is that they lost much more time than they ever anticipated by putting these things on hold. And there were others, however, that hit the ground running. You know, the old saying, never waste a good crisis. Well, today we are delighted to welcome Dr. Mary Beth Kuzmetsky to the Flexible Advisor podcast. Mary Beth is going to share her thoughts on marketing in the age of social distancing. Mary Beth has done and continues to do a lot of research and work around this topic. Mary Beth and her firm, Red Zone Marketing, consult with financial professionals on strategic marketing and business growth. She has written seven books, including The Connectors, which teaches and she teaches an integrated marketing course at Oklahoma State University. She is a media contributor appearing on NBC, Fox, USA Today, Wall Street Journal, and Forbes. She also has been rated a top 25 C-suite speaker by Meetings and Conventions magazine. Mary Beth and her husband live in the Chicagoland area and have two children threatening to be adults. I know what that's like, Mary Beth. And I can tell you that her enthusiasm is just infectious. I feel like our time together today is going to fly. So let's get to it. Welcome, Mary Beth. Well, thank you so much for having me on. 
Mary Beth, I've heard so much from Laura about you. And so I am excited to have you with us today. I will say this, Laura, before we get into our discussion, I left a brand new pair of earbuds just sitting in a locked drawer in my office. They have been there for months now. And I would have never left them there had I thought we weren't going back this long. So we certainly get a lot of questions around here about how to build business in a pandemic. So I'm really looking forward to your thoughts, Mary Beth. And we're well into this pandemic, of course, by now. Many parts of the country have opened up. Some have opened and then shut down and opened up again. I'm curious what you're seeing with the advisors you serve. Are many of them going back to the office? And what does that look like? And are they back and working with their full teams in place? Yeah, thanks. That's a great question because it was one that we were really interested in. And so we've done uh, surveys of financial advisors, financial professionals across the board. We did one survey in the middle of May, and then we did the exact same survey in the middle of June. And it's interesting because in the middle of May, a lot of advisors thought they would be back in the office by June, uh, over 50%. But when June came around, there was only 30% that said that they will be back in the office uh, this that, that particular month of June. Wow. And then we have July and August. But when we look at the overall results, it looks like it's going to be sometime in 2021. And we also looked at the data based on where you are in the country. So for instance, if you're in an urban area, there is less likelihood that you're back in the office right now. If you're in a rural area, there's a much higher likelihood, uh, over 50%, that you're back in the office right now. And the suburban advisors are somewhere in the middle coming back into the office, you know, depending on where they're at. And we we looked at this, we thought, okay, so by type of location, we also looked at it by state and said, well, wait, you know, who's back in the office? And it's really interesting because it's all across the board because it depends where you are in a state. And so there were all sorts of differences, but the reality is, is that coming back into the office with their entire teams is going to look more like 2021 and maybe partial teams are coming back. I know a lot of offices are doing that, but most of the teams are not fully back in the office. And, you know, I heard a study, actually, I heard uh, someone from UBS, an executive at UBS say that, you know, there's a bunch of staff members that they have up to two thirds that will never return to the office. Now that's staff members, not advisors, but if you think about that, we're learning to be pretty good at being virtual. And I think one of the surprises from advisors is that it's actually it's actually okay. Like we're, we're actually surviving through this and, and we're, we're at home and we're in our home offices and we're finding ways to make this work. And, and there's actually a lot of positivity amongst financial advisors right now in terms of their confidence level in the industry, their confidence level in the economy. The stock market just has has paid attention to the needs of financial advisors, so it's and their clients. So it's been it's been good. But the one interesting thing that we looked at though is when are you going to be meeting with clients? And that was something that was also interesting because that is very different than them coming back in the office. Because about fifty percent in all ranges except for rural say that they will not be meeting with their clients face to face anytime this year. Uh, with most of their clients face to face, so just interesting things, and you know we're just learning to to run our businesses differently. 
Wow, that's that is fascinating. So you talked about those in-person meetings. Are advisors that chose to come back actually having success with in-person meetings? And are they putting together any type of client event? So we asked about the client events. We said, will you have an in-person client event in 2020? And the answer was about 40% said that they thought that they might. But I think as time continues to go on, because just like Laura, you were saying earlier, you, you thought this was just gonna last a couple of weeks and then it keeps going. And I think that's what we're seeing in our survey. And we're gonna do another round of this survey in a, about two weeks and then we'll see how things have changed. But it, it seems to me that advisors are doing and figuring out how to do virtual events which is different than them you know, having a meeting with a client because they've had phone meetings with clients forever, but now they're doing Zoom meetings and we've got some statistics on how many are doing those kinds of things. But the, but the interesting part is, is that they're figuring out how to do virtual meetings because the in-person meetings, although they may be ready to do it, their client base isn't necessarily. That's interesting because we have uh, a, system, a virtual meeting system, and I know that when we blurred the, you can blur the background in what it looks like, and everybody goes, ooh, ah. So I think we're doing fairly well in virtual events. That wouldn't be the major improvement, but I can tell you it is a lot of hard work, and we have someone on, on my team who has, she has to focus a great deal of her time on learning the different virtual platforms and then coaching our people through them. How are you actually helping advisors reimagine their live meetings as a virtual event and what's working and what has been most challenging? Yeah, so we have found that advisors really had not a lot of experience doing virtual events, meaning event via live stream or Zoom or yeah. WebEx or Microsoft Teams. How do you do a meeting like that? And so we asked advisors, hey, are you doing these kinds of meetings? And the answer was, uh, mostly they were thinking about doing it, but not necessarily already doing it. And then we separated off the top producers. And over 50% of the top producing advisors in our study were doing virtual events as the number one thing, thing that they were doing, even more than referrals, wow. which referrals is always number one. Yeah. But the, the top producers are going, you know what? We need to get back in finding new clients and serving clients when they need us, really need us. And so they're doing a lot of virtual events. And I can talk about all sorts of events because uh, we did some further research into, okay, you say you're doing virtual events. Tell us about those events. And so we have some success stories on a whole bunch of different kinds of events that advisors have tried and they have worked. So you know, that is is so interesting, and it kind of aligns with some of the things that we've been finding, Mary Beth. I mean, those advisors that weren't like me didn't think, I'll just put some things on hold for three or four weeks, but they went back at it immediately. They had the most success because it was, it was their chance to really illustrate to their clients that they cared and that they, they were taking action to help them immediately. So that's interesting to, to have statistics uh, to put against that rather than just many of my, my individual calls that I made. Mary Beth, you are the consummate, in my opinion, brand expert. And unfortunately, we're on an audio-only line today. However, I'm guessing if I could see you, 
you'd be wearing a bright red outfit of some kind. And you would probably at some point bring up the Green Bay Packers, even to me, who's a Bears person. Will you tell us a little bit, or tell the, the listeners, please, a little bit about what the heck I'm talking about and why this all goes to your brand? Wait, Mary Beth, before you answer that, you live in Chicagoland and you're a Green Bay's Packer fan? That's exactly right. And that uh, leads into the story uh, because I I am born and born and raised in Wisconsin. And so the fact that I live in Illinois is just it's by happenstance. And we raised two kids in Illinois. And from the day they were born, made absolute sure that they would never become Bears fans. And we have a very specific strategy that we implemented many many years ago to make sure that that happens. And both of my kids are huge Packers fans. So it worked. <laughs> yeah. So red zone marketing, the story behind red zone marketing is I was raised in part by a grandmother in Wisconsin and I was her firstborn grandchild. So I got to spend a lot of time with her and she loved two things in this world. One was her firstborn grandchild, which was me, thankfully, but the other was actually football. I mean, this grandmother loved football. And so I spent every Sunday at her house, but I spent the Sundays in the fall were my most memorable times. I mean, my earliest memory sitting on her lap, watching the Green Bay Packers play football. And she would school me in the positions and the rules and the teams and the calls the referees were making. And she would make me break down the offense and the defense at halftime. And so I thought that's how all the little girls were growing up. But then I realized, hey, listen, I grew up with a grandmother who loved football, wanted her granddaughter to be a football fan, and she taught me all sorts of other amazing lessons. And so when I started my business, it was two years after she had passed away, actually, I thought to myself, I've got to have my grandma with me if I'm going to be successful at all in this business thing. And so I named my company Red Zone Marketing in the spirit of my grandmother. But the red zone is a football term. It's the final 20 yards before you score on the football field. But it's also something that's really important in marketing and in business, because in marketing, you could send out some direct mail letter and hope to get a quarter percent response rate, or you could do something today with your clients that would make a difference today in terms of the acquisition of referrals or new business or whatever that might be. But I'm all about the immediate gratification. I, I, I'm not marketing, I don't think is about this, this major long term, let's wait a couple of years and see how our marketing works. We want it to work now. And that's Red Zone Marketing. And so that's why I named it Red Zone Marketing in the spirit of my grandmother. And that's our whole philosophy is to do things that make a difference right away. And so that's the kind of marketing that we do. And I wear red because if you have a company that's called Red Zone Marketing, you can't really wear the Packer green and gold. So I have to wear red. And actually, even though we're not on camera today, I do have red on. <laughs> so you were right. <laughs> I, I knew you would, Mary Beth. And, you know, I mean, I think that what you do and how you've built your brand and your, your business over time, it is so memorable. I've seen you in a few different forums early on before I could really remember you before we got to know each other and then as soon as I saw you come out in the in the red outfit with your uh business cards I'm like yeah 
I remember that. I remember that. But I, I want to, so you talk about being in the moment and taking action right away. Let's talk about that as it relates to virtual events. How are you coaching your clients in this new world to handle those events that they, like you said before, your research showed that not many advisors were utilizing these sorts of tools in the past. Are you, I imagine, coaching them a little bit through that? Yeah, absolutely. Because there's a lot of different factors that make a really big difference. It's like if you're going to speak in front of an audience at a dinner seminar, say, you want to make sure you've got the right clothing on and that you've got the right presentation and all of that. It's even more important when you're in sort of that Zoom environment. So what's behind you? What are, what are you wearing, at least from the waist up? And what are you going to say? Because typically in these virtual type of events, it's a lot shorter than if you were gonna do an educational event in person, it would be longer. These are a lot shorter, you've gotta be more concise, you've gotta really be prepared and planned. And there's two kinds of events that advisors are doing just similar to what they used to do in the live forum, but it's really about, are you gonna do a client appreciation event where you hope to get some referrals and you actually work to get some referrals, or are you doing a prospect event? And those are two, very different kinds of events, but they both can be done in the virtual space. So uh, we've tried to get it so advisors are combining the two together. Like, so for instance, we have an advisor in North Carolina and she did a virtual cooking class. Now you say, well, how did she invite people to this? She called four of her best clients and she said, hey, I want to do this cooking class. We're going to send you the ingredients. We're going to have this chef on. It's going, to be, it's going to be really great. And they're like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. I would love to do this. Do you have anyone that you would like to introduce to me that you think would also like this kind of a thing? And so it was four units, four clients, couples, and then there were four referrals or in total, total of eight referrals. And what they did is they went ahead and did this cooking class with people that kind of knew each other. I mean, some of them obviously referrals, but so far in a cooking class, she brought in four referrals, has two appointments with the four referral units and probably will do business with them. So it's, it's really easy. It was super inexpensive. It was $75 per unit to do this. And it was really fun and totally different. And they cooked food together. And it was about two hours, actually. I said that these are a little bit shorter. That one was a little bit longer. And they had fun. And they had some glasses of wine. And they did all of this. But the advisor basically just coordinated it and got the chef on. And so those kinds of events where you go, it's really client appreciation. But we also can mix in because we know that it's going to be easy to ask a friend to come on to something like this. To, to join in. And we've had all sorts of things like that where we try to do a combo of this is a fun event, but how about you invite somebody? And the phone call made the difference because if you just send out an email, they go, oh, I'd love to be on the, you know, at a cooking class, but maybe they wouldn't have invited somebody. But that personal request made a big difference. That is a fantastic idea. I wish I was her client and got invited. <laughs> There are, you know, I know a lot of advisors are putting a lot of work into their websites since the pandemic. They've, we're all realizing we have to be more digital. And yet a lot of people continue to put that off because that's always something you can do at a later time. But if you think of it, advisors that have done a really great job 
in guiding their clients through this uncertain time really have a lot that they can tell prospective clients on their website. I'm wondering what ideas you might provide for advisors in terms of finding the right messaging for their website and how they can generate leads from that messaging. Yes, absolutely. Because it is actually, we are busier as, as a firm, Red Zone Marketing, helping advisors with their websites when we than we ever have been before. Because I think advisors are going, listen, I got to have a different message because I'm not out in the community right now. I, I My website is it. And I have to make sure that it speaks to what's actually going on right now. And so the first thing I always say to advisors is, if you haven't changed your website since this whole pandemic started and the stock market has been volatile in, in certain times, if you're not addressing that, you're missing the boat because it kind of looks like maybe you're not in business anymore. Maybe you're not in the real world because everybody is impacted by what's going on. And so the first thing we do is like, how can you address what's going on? But before we get to that, we've got to figure out what's your value proposition? Because if you don't already have your value proposition, like why should I work with you? And so we always have to look at what is the thing that people are most worried about more now, most concerned? What is the reason they may switch from one advisor to another? What is the reason that they may go from, I'm a do it, do it myself person to I think I need to hire an advisor. And we have to get to those core, what are those problems or issues that our potential clients have? Because your clients are not going to go to your website except to log into their accounts. But your prospects are going to go to the website and they're going to spend an average of one minute and 30 seconds on your website to determine whether or not you're the right person or you're the right firm. And so one minute and 30 seconds is, is not a lot. And you, we've got to have the homepage just right, speaking to whomever that audience is or a general audience. And then the second place that they go is the team page. So what are the bios saying? We've been doing a lot of video bios now. So the advisor and the team will get together and they will just back to back record some information about themselves. So they'll have a regular bio, but they'll also record, hey, you're like on the weekends, I love going doing this or whatever it is. And just giving a little perspective of these are real people that are either in the office or not in the office, but are there to help. And so we focus on the challenges first, the personal side and addressing COVID pandemic and the fear that clients really have which is very different than the advice. So the advisors look and say, the market is going up, this is great. And the clients go, I cannot lose money. I'm only a few years from retirement or I'm in retirement. And so we found in the surveys and the data that we get is that the clients are much more risk adverse and so then perhaps than they were before. And so there has to be that identification on that website. If you think your potential clients are worried about the volatility of the market or worried about running out of money, we've got to have those words on there. We can't just say we're a really great firm and we service our clients and we call you back in 24 hours. Like, okay, those are even less than table stakes. So we've got to speak to the audience. So my breath, for years, we've all been talking about the need for advisors to become more comfortable with technology and digital tools. And of course, a lot of that has been around operations and back office but how we communicate, we believe, needs to be digital as well. And at FlexShares, we've been focused on digital content strategies over the years. But 
I've got to tell you, it, with COVID, we really had to step up and look at some different ways to do it. What are your thoughts about how and why advisors should be creating digital content marketing strategies and what's the best first step to get started? Yes, I agree that this is this is the strategy. It's also not a super expensive strategy to implement. It is something that allows you to have exposure and everything else. And content marketing as kind of a definition is, is focused on creating, publishing, and distributing information for a targeted audience online. And so if you say, well, I, I want to put some stuff out there. The key is, is that advisors think perhaps sometimes that when they put a blog out uh, on their website or they put a post on social media, that that's really good. But content marketing is very focused. Content marketing is really precise and it's designed to get to a target audience and speak to their concerns. Just like we talked about in the website, we've got to speak to the concerns of the target audience. And so content marketing, a lot of times for advisors, what it ends up to be is putting things out in the world, on the internet, and driving people hopefully back to your website. Because you want to drive them back to your website where maybe you have a call to action on the website. Maybe it's a six things to do in a volatile market or six mistakes you don't want to make or whatever those, those things are. But those reports are super popular. And so somebody clicks, I want that report. They give their email address. And now they come into what we call a marketing funnel. And so the funnel is someone who's heard of you now has clicked on something and has given you their email address. And now what are you going to do next about that? Okay, so maybe we've got a series of three emails. If they click on the call to action, that is the volatile markets call to action. Now, you know, this is something that they're interested in. So what do we do? We've got a series of a few emails that that are talking about that particular topic and you continue to move them down the funnel into other things. Maybe you then connect with them on LinkedIn. You're focusing on making that contact. It's prospecting, but it's prospecting in a digital world. And it's very much different than meeting with somebody face-to-face. -face. And the thing about content marketing is we're putting valuable information out there. We're hoping people are interested in it. They like it. They click on it. They get to your website. They click on something else. They decide at some point, you know what, maybe I'd like to have an appointment and talk about this face-to-face -face or virtually or whatever that might be. And that's the whole purpose is to move people through this funnel so that they get to the point where they decide they want to do business with you. But it's a lot longer of a process than a typical prospecting process. So somebody comes to your dinner seminar, they schedule an appointment, and two weeks later, they're your client. That's a very short process. This is a much longer process, which I think is important for advisors to know because it can become frustrating if it doesn't happen right away. Now we're red zone marketers. We want things to happen right away too, but this is just a different, it, it's a different kind of marketing that is a little bit longer than meeting face-to-face -face with somebody and closing them. This is something that takes a little bit of time, but what we want them to do is come to their own conclusion that they wanna do business with you. And that requires precise messaging. It requires having good content out there. But again, it's not all that expensive. 
it's a lot cheaper to do content marketing than it is to do a dinner seminar for $10,000 and all of that. So you have to just consider and weigh those types of things when you're thinking about becoming better in the digital world. Yeah, that's, that's good. Well, I'm going to close with one last question. And if someone has delayed in starting their marketing, what's the best first step for an advisor to take now? Determine what your value proposition is, how you are separating mm. yourself, and get that up on your website. Because the website is the key point. Even if you just have a one-page website, it's a homepage. <laughs> but if you have that website that clearly defines who you are, what you're doing, why you, that value proposition is going to make a really, really big difference. Well, Mary Beth, like Laura said, your enthusiasm is infectious. And thanks again for joining us today and sharing your informed perspective. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. If you're interested in learning more about Mary Beth and Red Zone Marketing, just go to redzonemarketing.com. For myself and Laura Gregg, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us on today's episode of The Flexible Advisor. Thank you for listening to The Flexible Advisor podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of FlexShares Exchange Traded Funds or Northern Trust. All investments involve risk, including possible loss of principal. Before investing, carefully consider the FlexShares investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. This and other information is in the prospectus and a summary prospectus, copies of which may be obtained by visiting www.flexshares.com. Read the prospectus carefully before you invest. Foreside Fund Services, LLC Distributor. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Although we attempt to keep the information complete and current, we do not warrant that the content herein is accurate, complete, or current. We make no commitment to update the content herein. It is your responsibility to verify any information before relying on it. The content of this podcast may include technical inaccuracies. We may make changes in the products and or services described herein at any time. We provide you this information with the understanding that we are not rendering accounting, legal, or tax advice. Please consult your legal or tax advisor concerning such matters.